Coming up, Zach Allen's scoreless streak is over, so where should the Diamondbacks ace finish in the Cy Young Award race? And discussing new rules coming to the 2023 MLB landscape with Sully Baseball on today's podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas 24 myportfolio.com on there you see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design if you want to see more content by me just follow me on twitter at creator thomas 24 for my personal account or just look up locked on dimebacks on both twitter and instagram for the podcast handle and of course thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks, your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We're on YouTube as well, Locked on Diamondbacks there, so go subscribe to the YouTube platform as well so you can see my ugly mug on there. But before we get to... The new rules coming to 2023 and talk to Sully Baseball. I just want to first talk about Zach Gallen and just shine a little light on what he did with this scoreless streak because Zach Gallen, I mean, to D-backs fans, this man is not underrated. Every D-backs fan knows Zach Gallen is that dude. He's a legit Cy Young candidate, but I still feel like the lexicon surrounding Zach Gallen as an ace pitcher isn't quite there yet, right? If you were to ask you know, the casual fan where Zach Allen ranks among all MLB aces, they probably, they either might tell you, we don't even know who Zach Allen is, or they're going to be like, is Zach Allen even an ace? They might consider him a number two. Or if they do think he's an ace, they probably consider him the lowest rung, lowest tier of aces. But that just shouldn't be the case with Zach Allen because what we just saw, 44 and a third straight consecutive innings pitched by Zach Allen, seventh longest scoreless streak in MLB history, the longest streak in D-backs franchise history, and Michael McDermott of Inside the Dimebacks of SI has some great numbers here about the inside the numbers for Zach Allen's streak. So let me rattle off some numbers that Zach Allen was able to accomplish during this crazy streak they just went on because Gallen recorded six consecutive scoreless streaks during his overall inning streak, of course. Oral, Heisch, Oral Hershiser, Don Drisdale, Zach Greinke, and Zach Gallen are the only four players to achieve that feat. Six consecutive scoreless starts. And Gallen is the only, only pitcher who didn't achieve the feat in a Dodgers uniform. Think about that. Dodgers always have the most talent. No wonder their teams are good every single season. So if a Dodgers, if the Dodgers as a franchise are having a good year, winning 100 games, just be like, listen, you guys always have the star power. You guys always have the talent. So we're not really impressed with you, Dodgers fans. If you guys don't win the World Series, then it was a bust of a year. Same this year, same as it was 30 years ago with all these guys. Because Dodgers always have all the talent, as you can see right here, because Zach Allen, only one of these four pitchers to not be in a Dodgers uniform when he recorded six consecutive scoreless starts. And if you want to know the number of days between starts 
where Zach Gallen surrendered a run. 40 days between starts where Zach, where Zach Gallen allowed an earned run. Just think about how crazy that is. His whip during the streak, 0.54 as Zach Gallen leads the entire Major League Baseball, or at least the National League, maybe Major League Baseball, but he leads the entire National League in whip as a pitcher, not just from the streak, but from the entire season. He also allowed a 114 average during that streak and a 291 OPS during the streak as well. So from inside the numbers, Zach Allen was completely dominant on the season. And really, if you look at Zach Allen's season numbers now, I mean, he is leading the National League in a few categories. I already mentioned the whip, 0.908. He also leads the National League in hits per nine at 5.9 hits per nine. He's got 9.2 strikeouts per nine, very strong, 158.2 innings pitch. And now, my next question is, where should Zach Allen be in the Cy Young Award race? Because, listen, in all honesty, I don't think Zach Allen has a case to win the Cy Young Award race because I think Sandy Alcantara pretty much has the Cy Young Award on lock. He's more innings pitched than any other pitcher. He's second in strikeouts, I think. He's right there in whip. He still is like top two in ERA as well. Like Sandy Alcantara is basically top two in every major, top two, top three in every major pitching category while also having more innings pitch, like three starts worth of innings pitch more than any other pitcher in the Cy Young Award race. So I think the race is for Alcantara's to lose, even though his ERA over his last like seven, eight starts is like near a four or above a four. I still think the race is Alcantara's to lose. So really the question is, should Zach Gallen finish second in the Cy Young Award race? And right now, just going off a list that CBS Sports has, like the other guys in the wrist in the race outside of Sandy Alcantara, Carlos Rondon, Julio Urias, Max Fried, and then he has Zach Gallen. And really when I care when I compare Gallen to those other guys like Gallon has a better ERA, whip, then Carlos Rodon. Rodon crushes Zach Gallon's strikeouts. I think Rodon leads the National League in strikeouts, but in terms of run prevention, hits per nine, allowing, um, you know, going deep into ball games, like Gallon's innings pitch is right there with Carlos Rodon's with better, uh, with, while doing a better job of now allowing hits and earned runs. Maybe the strikeouts aren't as good, but at the end of the day, do you care more about strikeouts? Do you care more about not allowing runners on the bases and not allowing runs on the scorecard? So I think Gallon has been slightly better than Rodon this season. I compare Gallon to Julio Urias. Urias, I think number one in ERA right now, but Gallon, more strikeouts, more innings pitch, and a better whip. I think he's had a better season than, than Julio Urias as well. And then Gallon versus Max Freed. Freed is right there in terms of ERA, but Gallon still hasn't beaten ERA. Gallon hasn't beaten strikeouts. He's actually has less innings pitch than Freed, but better whip, better ERA, more strikeouts with the less innings pitch. Like I think Gallon, realistically, when I compare him to the other Cy Young candidates, is I think Gallon should be second in the Cy Young race. And Yes, he gave up three earned runs in his most recent start to the Rockies, but maybe it's the start of another scoreless streak for Zach Allen. And if that's the case, if he continues to to perform like he has post All Star break, and maybe Sandy Alcantara does start to pitch like in like a pitcher with an ERA around four for the rest of the season, maybe Gallon can creep up until number one and win the Cy Young Award. I think it would still be crazy for Gallon to win the Cy Young Award, but considering what he's done post-All-Star break, if he's like 90% of the scoreless streak guy and Sandy Alcantara continues to struggle a little bit down the stretch, then maybe Gallon's numbers will be definitively better than Sandy Alcantara's and maybe actually winning the Cy Young Award 
won't be a crazy statement for Zach Allen because the other guy in the American League race, Dylan Cease, who all of a sudden might be the front runner for the American League Cy Young Award after McClanahan and Verlander have dealt with some injuries and Dylan Cease continues to be dominant. An interesting fun fact about him and Zach Allen, if they were both to go on and win the Cy Young Award, neither guy made the All-Star team this past season. So that would be absolutely wild for those two, for two guys to win the Cy Young Award and not make the All-Star team would be wild. But after seeing the Zach Allen streak, he definitely deserves to be in the Cy Young Award race. And I believe Zach Allen should finish number two in the Cy Young Award race. Now, Sully Baseball and I will talk about the new rules coming to baseball in 2023. But first, if you think any of those new rules will help your team's chances of winning more games in 2023, then you need to place that bet at betaline.net because it's your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's talk about what's going to be the biggest change in 2023. Let's move on to that. Um, The rule changes. Uh, What are the rule changes? We have a pitch timer that will – this is according to the CNN report. I'm reading directly from the CNN report. A pitch timer Mm -hmm. that will limit the amount pitcher can take between pitches. They'll have 15 seconds when the bases are empty, 20 seconds – uh, when pitches when the uh, when there's one runner on base, I want everyone to understand what uh, 15 and 20 seconds is. I've got my stopwatch here, ready and go. We're going to start right now. The pitcher gets the ball. He goes to the rosin right. bag. That's that. The, the batter steps out. He adjusts his gloves and gets the sign. Comes to the set and here's the pitch. 15 seconds. Okay, now there's no one on base. And here's the pitch, 20 seconds. More than enough time. More than enough time. I felt a little I've been watching before. No, no. Let's keep it moving. I've been watching lots of uh, uh, videos of, of baseball in the 70s. There's, there's, get the ball, get the sign, pitch. Get the ball, get the sign, pitch. The whole thing, here, here's the pitch. And now, comes out, changes his pants, reads, his, reads the horoscope. Pitcher takes a power nap. Everyone comes in. The pitching coach comes out. They look at the hat. It says, throw a strike. Okay, thank you. They come out. Everyone takes a breather. Namaste. Then here comes the second pitch. That's the part, one of the parts of the pace of play that drives me bananas. Pitch! Got to lock in. Got to get in that mental zone, Sully. You know, before I come on this podcast, I got to get in the batter's box, you know? I got to get in the mental zone, you know? Hit my thimble a couple times, play the vibrations in my room, maybe a lot of incense to get the vibes going, you know, real quick. And I feel the batters. They got to do the same thing. The pitchers got to do the same thing, too. Also, you got to slick up your hands a little bit. The pine tar, you can't just get that in under 10 seconds, you know? You got to make sure it's in the right spots on you your neck. You got 15 seconds to do it. Well, you got 15 now. So, in all oh. honesty, I love it. 
according to the minor league numbers, they've cut down the, the games by about 26 minutes. I mean, if we're going from about three hour and five minute games to about two and a half hour games, if you're literally I'm cutting in. off 20, I'm that's in. incredible. I'm in. I'm I, in. I don't know I'm why in. anyone would be against. I'm I know in. there's some uh, backlash from players and owners or whatever. There's always going to be backlash for any change. There's always a backlash for any change. I'm in. I'm totally, I'm totally in. For those of you who think I'm like, here are traditions, you're an old one. No, I'm in. Give me that pitch timer. Need pitch timer reminds me of like when you're like, oh, I'm not ready to pitch. It reminds me of that line that Lorne Michaels said about Saturday Night Live when mm. someone asked him, um, "How do you know when the show is ready?" Is I know it's ready when it's eleven thirty-five. You know, it's it's you know that means we got to go. It's time to go. Um, let's keep this thing moving. The other uh, other one. Uh, this the, I'm gonna get to the this one before I get to the big one. Okay. Um, okay. The big look. The the other one is the size of the base is going to be different. Um, I have zero problem. I have zero problem with that. Zero problem. Let's not, but by the way, folks, let's not get too precious about the tradition of the size of the base and everything. Go back and look at old films. The base used to look like a potato sack. It wasn't this, this crisp square. It was this wobbly. It was a bag. It was a bag. Okay. And, and sometimes nice and puffy, sometimes flat. Okay, uh, the the base has changed mm-hmm. over the years. Okay, mm-hmm. so we can't get precious about some things like, oh, we got to keep it. We have to keep you know, this tradition and keep it the same. Really? Have you watched old baseball? So much has changed; it's almost unrecognizable. So no, if they want to make the base a little bigger, fine, great, let's go. I'm in. If it if that if that will get the running game back in baseball. By the way, you want to know something that takes mm-hmm. away. From the pace Free. of play is removing mm. the running game. Tell them. You know, when you have a runner on first, but you know they're not going to steal. Nope. There's no real excitement. You know, again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm old man Sully thinking about Ricky Henderson, Tim Raines, Vince Coleman, no, Brett Butler, all these people who are, you know, uh, Harold Reynolds, all these people who stole Eric Davis. When they got on base, I was going, watch him, watch him. Otis Nixon, watch him, watch him. He's going. You know, I mean, that was there's great clips of Ricky Henderson getting in the minds of pitchers. It was thrilling every time Ricky, you know, Ricky, Vince Coleman, Tim Raines, Willie McGee, all those people who were great base dealers. And I mean, what I loved about Ricky and like Willie McGee and, and Reigns, especially those three, no, no offense to some of the other ones, but those three, you know, their baseball IQs were off the charts. So it wasn't just that they were fast runners. They knew to how to read the pitcher. And removing that part of the game, you're literally removing speed. That in- speed increases the pace of play. Um, anyway, I'm all for that. Uh, yeah. Are we are we agreement on that? I don't see uh, an argument. Yeah, steals are an asset to the game. I don't understand why we started moving backwards in the speed department, why we thought it was safer to not send guys than to send guys. I get it. Maybe by the percentages, it's smarter to not send a guy. But guess what? If my guy gets a second base, now I got a runner in scoring position, and it just adds an extra level of excitement like you're talking about. Like the D-backs the past few years weren't a big, heavy stealing team. But this season, guys like Rojas, Jake McCarthy, the Corbin Carrolls, the Thomases, the Dalton Varshals, yeah. like – the yeah. D-backs are loaded with speed right now. We're taking off at every opportunity we got. And guess what? It's creating havoc on the bases, uh, the opposing defense. They don't know what to do. They're throwing the ball all over the, the, the field, the pitcher. He's now got to be more mindful. Okay, Rojas is on first. We got Jake McCarthy on first. Like, those guys, they're going to be aggressive on the base pass. Now he's, like, more distracted. He's he, he's picking off. He's coming back. Like, 
as uh, as a fan of uh, the D-backs team who are stealing bases more, like it's such an advantage to watch the D-backs offense now because of all the chaos that they're creating for the opponent's defense. And I just absolutely love that. And to go back on the woe is me on bases in general, like my big issue with bases is the fact that they're elevated. I feel like bases should be kind of like home plate where it's like in the ground because I feel like it's also like, like a safety yeah. hazard. Like whenever I yeah. watch a guy like run down a ball to first base and like sometimes like they're running is a little bit off on their timing and then they have to reach out for that last step to try to make it safe. And it's like sometimes they step on that base wrong and they like pull a muscle or like pull their calf. And I'm like, I, I think the bases are honestly like a safety hazard with how much they're raised from the ground. I'd rather them be like below the ground, like how home plate is. So that's my biggest issue with bases. Put them below the ground because I feel like they're a safety hazard. Okay, last one, though. Um, the removal yeah. of the defensive shifts. By the way, I, in an upcoming show, maybe this week or the, later, I'm going to talk a little bit about something you, you hit on there a little bit, Miller, where they're talking about it's safer for the percentages to not be running all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and of which I will ask the question, since when is being safe entertaining? Yeah, like who cares? Who watches a Fast and Furious film? So make sure those hands are at at uh, ten and two o'clock. Hold on, check your blind spot. No, the speed limit here is fifty-five. Don't don't fire the nos. No, you want to see thrills. You want to see chances. And part of the fun of watching sports sometimes is, hey, they're taking a risk. Let's see if it pays off. Hey, let's go. Let's let that pitcher face that batter one more time. See if he can top him. Let's go. You know, let's, you know, yeah, you could get thrown out at second, but you also could get second. Let's see them try to do it. Who watches the Olympics and go, I hope they're doing this safe. I hope they don't take a risk. No, no, cripes. That would be the worst. Um, defensive shifts. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to enforce this, but it looks like you have to have. Uh, two fielders on either side of second base. And it looks like you can't have your fielders in the outfield. Mm -hmm. um, I, if I, I may be misunderstanding that, but I, but it's clear that the, the shifts where you have everyone on one side or everyone on the other side, here's a grounder up the middle. No, there's three guys right there. Um, tell me what you think. Yeah, my interpretations of the rules uh, were similar, Sully. It sounded like you just keep your two defenders on each side, make sure they're not in the outfield, and you also can't switch your defenders depending on their right-handed batter. Like, if you want to put, you know, your star shortstop on the right side of the uh, of the bag now just because they're a different batter coming up, you can't do that. They have to be designated to one side. But it's only until the pitcher releases the pitch. So, in theory, you could have it set up normally, and then as that pitcher's releasing the pitch, your defender could run to the other side to set up the you know the pseudo shift i guess at that point if they just sprint over and want to do all that but that feels like it'd be too chaotic and too many people in, in motion at that point so i'm hoping the banning of this shift really opens up the offenses because we've been teaching kids for years hey take it right back up the middle right if you make good contact it should go right back up the middle and that's gonna be a base hit for you but you look at major baseball Yes, and anytime you hit up the middle, it is an easy out every time. Anytime you think you're getting good wood on a ball, it is an easy out every time. And Ian Happ was talking about, like, yeah, the shift is great to ban because as, like, a left-handed hitter, like, sometimes when I need I need to pull the ball, like, if it's a changeup or something, to keep the pitcher honest. And it's like, no, there's seven dudes on the right side of the play. It's like, I can't even keep the pitcher honest.
honest now with certain types of pitches because of how the defense is playing me. It's like such a disadvantage for the offense. It's like as a fan, as a product, like who wants to see that? Like I grew up as a Red Sox fan like you, Sully. Big Poppy. I feel like Big Poppy would have batted 350 in his career if the shift didn't exist. Like how many hits did Big Poppy get taken away? How many doubles was ripped away from Big Poppy's plaque because of the shift? It's not fun. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see eight defenders on one side of the ball. I want more offense. So I'm so glad that the shift is finally gone. After the Universal DH, this was like the second biggest thing I needed for the offense. Well, you know, I was not a fan of the Universal DH. Um, I'm still not. I still think that if you're going to have a Universal DH, just, you know, abolish NL and AL and make regional <laughs> divisions because there's no difference between the two. There, there really isn't a difference between the NL and the AL anymore. They're just the same. But that's neither here nor there. Um I'm all for this. You boiled it. You know what? I was going to say a bunch of things, but you boiled it down to one line. It's not fun. And lest we forget, this is entertainment. And this is the one thing I think that people sometimes forget when they get obsessed over the percentages and everything. This is entertainment. It's entertaining to watch a runner take off. It's entertaining to watch the pitcher get the ball and get it right back in there and keep it moving, keep put the pressure on them. It's entertaining to not only see the ball get through the infield, but also if it's a difficult ball to see the the fielder make a diving attempt for it. We're mm-hmm. losing the highlight plays because of defensive shifts. And what I would love to have seen during the days of the defensive shifts was just lay down the bunt and beat it all the time. I just would have loved to have seen that just for the anarchy of that. But no one seemed to want to do that on a regular basis. So, yeah, let's let's get rid of it. It you know, I like things that make the game more entertaining. Um the rule change that I still want to see is you get to use uh you get to use four pitchers for the nine inning game. Mm. Uh you open it up after a bit like uh, to me, the biggest thing to slow down the pace of play is, and I saw you know, a couple times today, like two outs, nobody on. Here comes a batter batting 174 with an OPS of 200, and they're going to bring in a reliever. Why? Stop the game. Here comes the reliever. The 180 hitter strikes out. Then everyone comes out. It just slows it down. It slows it down. I mean, I have lots of thoughts about that every aspect of – the sabermetrics revolution has been designed to slow the game down. So you have to work against that. But do you know what? If we have a merging of the things that make baseball exciting and intelligent analysis, we may be on the verge of an entertainment revolution. But any entertainment revolution is going to involve Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks. Tell people where they can follow you. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, we're on YouTube, Locked on Dimebacks on there as well and on all your podcasting platforms. Oh, I forgot to mention the nice thing that um, uh, Dave Stewart got his number retired in Oakland as well. He should. The World Series MVP of 1989, uh, also ALCS MVP of 1990, local product from Oakland, revived his career with the A's. Yes, they had the superstars like Ricky and Canseco and McGuire but, and Eckersley, but that was Dave Stewart's team. He was the leader of that team. And even though number 34 was already retired for Raleigh Fingers, why was it still available to give to Dave Stewart? Heck, retired twice. Number eight is retired twice for the Yankees for Bill Dickey 
and Yogi Berra, things like this can happen. So I just want to throw that out there because I know lots of A's fans listen to this podcast. Hey, uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been the Lockdown MLB, Lockdown Diamondbacks crossover here. Uh, I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully Miller. Let's end this with a proper fist pump. Here we go, buddy. Give it right there. Give it right there. Boom. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on MLB, with my pal Sully Baseball, who you just heard on today's podcast. He's a walk-in baseball encyclopedia, of course, because he's old. So go check out the Locked On MLB podcast, My Pal Sully Baseball. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight as we hope and pray the D-backs take down the Dodgers. You already know the outcome of Game 1 by the time you listen to this podcast. So go D-backs, stay safe, stay healthy, deuces.